Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? If you're new here, maybe it's your first or second time and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I want to start just by introducing myself. My name is Aaron and I am the lead pastor here at NCC and we're so excited that you're joining with us this morning um, in this James series that we're talking about. Before I jump into the message, I just want to say um, thank you so much for all of the texts and calls. I wasn't here last week because I had some kidney stones and that was the worst pain I've experienced in my life. But thank you so much, man. I'm doing better now. Um, Throughout this week, I was able to get up and get moving again, and so I appreciate um, all of the cards that I received and everything. Um, That was really encouraging. And we're in this series called James, and we're looking at the essentials of our faith. So we've spent the past few weeks just talking about that. James does an amazing job in this book that he's written to the church of just talking about the practical things that we need in our life on a daily basis. Now, you can see them up there, but, you know, there's all of those things that are essential in your life. Your keys, maybe your cell phone, something that you use at work. You, you can't really go throughout your day without them. You need them. They're vital to who you are. And James is reminding us in this book of the Bible, it's the same way with our walk with God. There are things that are so practical. They're so foundational. We can't go days without them. We need them on a daily basis in our walk and in our faith with Christ. And so James, James begins to write this letter to the church, and he's talking to them saying, hey, I want to remind you about some of the foundational things, the essential things in your walk with God that you need. They're vital to your everyday life. And so we started off a few weeks ago just talking about this book. If you haven't been here the past few weeks, I'll give you a quick snapshot. James was written about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus has been gone for 20 years. James, who was the brother of Jesus, is the person who wrote this book. And he's writing to the church, encouraging them not to give up on their faith. It's just been 20 years, but he's saying, hey, it may be hard. You may be facing difficulties. Um, They're living in a culture that's opposed to to their Christian faith, to what they believe. So they're living under the Roman Empire. They're facing imprisonment and persecution because of their faith in Christ. And James is saying, hey, don't give up. Keep going. Keep this core belief, these foundational things, because God is going to see you through this. So James is writing this, and every week as we've been talking um, every Sunday about a different passage in James, we've been reading through the book together. So I hope you've been doing this. It's really simple, just one chapter a day, Monday through Friday, and we've been reading um, the book of James already a couple of times. And the reason why we're doing this is because God speaks something new to us every time from his word. And so I love, you know, on Facebook or social media or just some of the stories that you guys have shared of how God is challenging you as you read through the book of James. Hey, I I saw this new thing. God spoke to me about this this time. This verse stood out. Um, And so we want to encourage you, do that with us. Even if you haven't done it the past few weeks, jump in with us. You can, we're going to do it two more times this week and next week. We're going to read through that book together and believe that God is going to speak to us. And so the first week we simply talked about your pain has purpose. Your pain has purpose. The difficulty in your life, God uses that to strengthen your faith. Then the next week we talked about your faith needs action. You need to be living out what it is that you believe. Brandon Wallace did an amazing job last week about talking about how your words have power. 
The things that you say matter and what you speak out, it makes a difference in your life and in the life of others. And so we looked at that in James chapter 3. And today in James chapter 4, we're going to be looking at your heart needs guarding. Your heart needs guarding. So we want to look at what James writes to the early church about that, about guarding your heart. Now, I grew up um, in a small town in Arkansas. My parents were pastors of a church. And so I remember one summer, I think I was about nine or 10 years old in Shirley, Arkansas, and we're out um, going to different houses, inviting people to a vacation Bible school, just like we're doing in a few weeks. You guys saw it in the announcements. We were doing a vacation Bible school, and so we're out inviting parents and grandparents. Hey, if you have kids, bring them. And so my dad was doing that with me in a few houses. He's like, hey, Aaron, I want you to do it. I was only nine or 10 years old, but he's like, you can talk to these people. And so I was doing that. We got to one house and he's like, hey, I'm going to let you go up to the house by yourself. So I was a little nervous as a 10-year-old kid. And I walk up to the house. I knock on the door. I'm going through kind of this spiel in my mind. Hey, I'm Aaron. I'm from Shirley First Assembly. We want you to come to the vacation Bible school, bring kids. We're going to have fun activities. And no one answers. So I knock again. No one responds. And so I'm getting ready to leave the flyer on the door, and I hear something along the side of the house. And I thought, oh, they're probably around back. And so I walk to the side of the house, and what I see freezes me in my tracks. I know I'm brown, but I turn stark white in that moment. There's a Doberman Pinscher. I mean, it looks like it's the same size as me. I know it probably wasn't, but it looks like it's staring me in the face. Its mouth's open. It's growling. And I just think, man, this thing's about to devour me. And I'm so nervous in that moment, I don't know what to do. I freeze for a second, and then I just drop the flyer, and I take off running. And I can hear it right behind me. I don't know if you've ever been chased by a dog. It sounds like it's gaining on me. It's growling. It's barking. It's getting closer. This is probably the fastest I've ever ran in my life as a little 10-year-old. I mean, I'm just booking it. I'm going back through the front yard, trying to get through the gate, and then out to the driveway where my dad was. And I get to, I get to um, kind of where the car is, and I reach for the handle, and I notice the dog isn't right there behind me anymore, even though the gate was open. The dog had gone to the edge of the front yard and it had just stopped in its tracks right there. It was still barking and growling, but it, was, it didn't follow me out of the gate. It didn't follow me to the car. And I turn around and all of a sudden, I'm not as afraid anymore because it stopped there. The owner comes around. He was further back. He comes around and we give him the flyer and invite him um, to what we were doing. But when I think about what James is talking about guarding your heart, I get that picture of that guard dog that chased me down that day. That's the kind of tenacity, it's, it's the kind of, you know, kind of viciousness that he's going after. Hey, you should guard your heart. That kind of dog that protects, that kind of dog that you probably want protecting your house, that guards what it is that he's been given kind of dominion or that area that he's called there to protect. That's the way that we should be with our heart. Because there are so many things that try to get in, and James begins to talk about this, that try to invade our heart, and we have to have that kind of ferociousness in our life that we are not going to allow things to come in that do not belong there in our heart. So James begins to talk about this. James chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with us. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. It's on page 587 in that Bible. You can turn there with us and follow along if you don't own a Bible, please take that with you. That's our gift to you. We believe in the power of the Word of God, and so we want you to be able to read the Scripture on a daily basis. So that's our gift. You can just take that with you um, and continue to read through James with us as we're going through this. So James chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 4. He's writing to the church, and this is what he says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You have desires, you do not get them, so you murder. You covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. 
You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You want to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And you hear kind of this harsh tone. Now, James isn't writing to people who don't know Jesus. He's not writing to people in general in the world that are just out there that don't have a faith in Christ. He's writing to the church. And he uses this kind of strong language to get their attention to say, hey, you need to check your heart. You need to guard your heart, what's inside of you. You've got to protect that because there's things going on inside of your life that you have to guard against. I believe this. If James lived currently in our time, if he was a 1990s rap artist, he would have said it like this. Church, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay, a few of you are laughing because you remember that song right there, okay? And that's what James is saying. Hey, you've got to guard what's inside of your heart. You've got you've to take caution of what you've allowed inside because it's going to cause your destruction. It's going to bring death inside of you. That sin that you don't think is that big of a deal, that jealousy, that coveting of someone else's property, those fights that you have, quarreling, gossiping, slander, all of those things, they are out to destroy you. You better check what's going on inside of your life because there's something warring inside of you that wants to take control of you. You've got to guard your heart, church. He's telling that, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Now, we read passages like this in the Bible. We see what James is saying, and sometimes we get this different image in our mind. Like, how hard could it have been for them, right? Like, I mean, they're riding around on camels. They're kind of going. They're fishermen. I mean, how difficult could life have been for them? It probably wasn't as hard as it is for us. And what I've discovered um, as, man, I read history and all of these things, that there is no new sin in the world, you guys. It's the same thing over and over again. These people have the same struggles that you go through in your life, the same struggles that I have in my life, they have in their life, and James is challenging them. There are things around you. There's temptation. There's a culture that's trying to pull at you. It's trying to bring death inside of your life, and you have to guard your heart. You have to check what's going on inside of you because this early church, they're living under the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was known. They would set up these temples that were places of worship. And in order to appease the gods, in order to get the favor of the gods, the Romans believed that you would go in to the temple prostitutes that were in these places of worship. And your act of worship was actually having sex with the temple prostitutes there. I mean, can you imagine a culture? You're on your way on Sunday morning to church and these girls are calling out to you. These men are calling out to you to come in and to worship their gods. See, they're in a culture that is obsessed with sex, they're not so different from our culture. And you're going to the marketplace, you're going to a friend's house, you're going to work, and it is all around you. And it's the same way 2,000 years later. See, it's on your phone, it's on your computer, it's on TV. You go to the marketplace, those checkout magazines, everything is about how to have a better sex life, everything. We are in a culture that is obsessed with sex that doesn't care about what God's word says, that doesn't care about Christian values. They're calling to you a culture that says, if it feels good, do it. If you want to, if you believe it's okay, then it's okay. It doesn't matter what the word of God says. We're living in a culture that does not value what we value. And James is saying the same words, church, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, before you destroy your life and live the way that you want to because God knows the way that he has designed you to live. God has a better plan for your life. You better guard your heart, church. 
See, they're living in a culture that's just like ours. In the Roman culture, you had to buy citizenship. You would work hard, you'd save money, you'd do all of these things because you were trying to get to a certain status, a Roman citizen. And if you were a Roman citizen, you had papers, you could travel from place to place. You had um, kind of the luxuries of the Roman Empire. You were protected by their government. You had their judicial system. You had all of this justice. There was something about having that Roman status. And see, it's like that in our world. If we're not careful, we begin to worship the God of money. Getting the right house, the right car, the right job, having the right clothes, the right appearance. We want everyone around us to look at us and think we have that picture of success. And all of a sudden, instead of Christ being the center of our life, something else has taken over. This obsession with possessions and with things, we want more and more stuff. And James is calling out to us 2,000 years later, church, you better check yourself. There's something trying to get in your heart. There's something trying to get in your life that wants to destroy you. You have to guard your heart. You have to protect what Christ has given you and what Christ has placed inside of your life. James says it's warring inside of you. It's already there. It's present inside of you. You have to control it. You have to take mastery over it. I can remember in you know, biology class in elementary school, you'd study nature versus nurture. You guys remember that? You, you look at all of the genes, right? Like you have brown eyes or blue eyes because you have dominant or recessive genes, all of those things, okay? And that's nature, right? Like I have a big poofy afro. I can remember growing up and I always said, I want white people's hair. Their hair looks so pretty. Mine's just this kind of big poofy thing here. And, and that wasn't because my mom loved me more or loved me less or any of that stuff. That's nature, right? Like we're born with those things. And then there's things that are nurture. They You have them because of the environment that you grew up, different cultural things or experiences or backgrounds. You know, after I preach, sometimes people come up and they say, Aaron, how did you pronounce that word? It's because I grew up part of the time in Arkansas, part of the time in New Jersey. I mean, just imagine those two accents clashing right there, right? So I know I say stuff weird sometimes. I know I pronounce stuff weird. That's nurture, right? That's not in my genes. It's not in my DNA. It's, It's nothing like that. It's because of where I grew up. But James is telling the church when it comes to sin, it's actually both. See, you were born with this church. Whether you realize it or not, you were given this. This was handed down from generation to generation. Adam and Eve, your great, 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 great grandparents that started all of this, they made a decision to disobey God. And when they took of that fruit and when they ate it, all of a sudden, every generation after that was born in a sinful nature. We're born with this. You don't have to tell a little kid how to be selfish, do you? How to take that toy. You don't have to tell a little kid how to lie, how to get out of trouble or any of that. We're born with it. But before we point our fingers at Adam and Eve and say, well, it's their fault. No, we've perfected it, you guys. See, we feed into it. And James is saying, hey, you're not only born with it. It's not only waging war inside of you. You're giving into it. You're you're creating it. You're letting it happen. You're feeding into it. You're allowing it to grow inside of your life. And you better check your heart. You've got to guard what God has given you. Proverbs 4.23 says that. Guard your heart for out of it flows everything from your life. You've got to protect that because everything, your thoughts, your actions flow out of what's going on in your heart. Church, are you tenacious? Do you have that kind of aggressiveness to say, I am not going to allow anything into my life that should not be there, that God doesn't want there? See, you have to guard it. I've mentioned before, my wife and I, we're pretty big Seinfeld fans. I don't know, does anyone watch Seinfeld? Are you used to? Okay, a few of you guys. I loved it when Hulu put it back on 
um, on their station because now sometimes at night we'll watch reruns. And, and there's one episode when I was thinking about guarding stuff, um, I thought about this episode. It's a pretty famous episode. It's called The Soup Nazi. Okay, no soup for you, if you guys remember that episode. And there's one of the main characters at the beginning, Elaine. She's the female characters. She's one of kind of the four group of friends that are there. And she sees this beautiful armoire. And so she buys it. She wants to take it into her apartment. But they have this rule that you can't move stuff into the apartment on Sunday. And so she gets Kramer, the guy with the kind of crazy hair, if you've seen Seinfeld. And she asks him to guard it. She says, hey, make sure nothing happens. You're going to actually stay out here all night long. Make sure nothing, it doesn't get scratched. No one takes it, any of this. I want you to guard it, and I'm going to pay you for it. He's kind of up for the challenge. He's kind of a crazy guy, so he's up for anything. So he says, I'll do that. And I want you to see what happens um, as he's guarding it. And I watched this, and they didn't mug him for it, did they? He just kind of let them take it. And he says that to them later there in the apartment. He's talking. He's like, man, they roughed me up. You should have seen how vicious they were with me, but they just kind of carry it away. And I think, man, sometimes that's how we are in our life. You guys, we're not as vicious as we need to be. We're not as tenacious as we need to be about guarding what God has given us, what goes on inside of our heart, what's taking place inside of our life. Church, we're called to fight for that, to protect what it is that God has placed inside of us, not to allow sin, not to allow death, not to allow destruction or anything to take what God has given us inside of our life. James goes on and he says this in the bottom of this verse, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He uses this harsh language. He's saying, hey, church, I want to get your attention. I want you to see this. Do not allow things to come in to creep into your life and to take over what it is that God is wanting to do inside of you. Are you allowing the culture to creep in? Are you checking your heart in the condition of your heart and what's going on? Or are you allowing other things in? See, church, we're called to guard our heart. You know, sometimes as Christians, we've mistaken what this means. You know, a few hundred years after this was written, there were Christians that would read this and other passages in the Bible, and they would isolate themselves. You know, there were monks and monasteries, there were hermits, and, and they would take vows of silence. They wouldn't talk to anyone for 20 years because they didn't want to allow the world to creep into their life. There were hermits that would stay in caves, and people would have to deliver food to them, and that's how they would live their life, not interacting with anyone, not, what was, not knowing what was going on in the world around them because they didn't want to have friendship with the world, and they thought that's what it meant. Somehow they mistake that they created this Christian cocoon or this Christian bubble that somehow they were going to be okay. And that's what Jesus meant by guarding your heart. But I don't believe that's what the Bible's talking about. 
In John chapter 17, one of the last prayers that Jesus prays over his disciples, he says this, God, I'm getting ready to come to heaven to be with you. I'm leaving this group of 12 men behind. They, they've been with me. And then he says this, God, I'm not asking that you would take them from the world, but I'm asking that you would keep them from the evil one. See, church, the problem isn't that you're in the world. The problem is when the world gets inside of you. And that's what James is reminding the church. The issue isn't don't isolate yourself. Don't create this Christian bubble where you're not interacting with anyone who's not saved. No, we're called to be in the world. We're called to be that light on a hill. We're called to be that salt that adds flavor to the world. We're called to do that. That's what Christ has called us to. But he said, be careful that you don't allow the world to infiltrate you that you don't allow this culture around you to seep into your heart and to bring death and destruction to begin to destroy what God has placed inside of you. You have to check your heart. And so church, the answer isn't isolation. The answer is that we're called by God to be right in the midst of some of the darkest places, but that our light for Christ would shine the brightest, that we would be that example of what it means to be a Christ follower, of what it means to live for him. In James chapter 4, verse 7, if you still have your Bible open, you can read the last part of this passage right here. James says this, James 4, 7, therefore submit yourself to God. Give yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James is looking at the church saying, you want to know how to guard your heart? You want to know how to make sure that the world doesn't creep in? He tells them it's not just what you are running away from, it's what you're running towards. It's not just what you're avoiding, church, it's what you're moving towards. You're drawing near to God and God is drawing near to you. You can't just look and say, okay, well, I'm going to try to take the sin out of my life. I'm going to try to remove all of the bad stuff. No, it's not just about doing that. You have to run towards God. You have to get closer and closer to God. It's not just trying to take the bad stuff out of your life. It's saying, God, I want your spirit to fill me every single day. God, I want more of you inside of me. I'm not just trying to, to avoid the things that I think are wrong. God, I want to become more and more like you. And as Christians, once again, sometimes we mess this up. We give the wrong impression that being a Christian is about having good behavior. It's about doing the right things. Church, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. That's not why he gave his life. He came to make dead people live. That you and I, we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. He didn't want you just to be a good moral person. And so many people, they think that's what being a Christian is. I just do the right things. I have the right behavior. And now all of a sudden, God is a good friend of mine. We're okay. No, it's that I'm broken and I desperately need every single day I need God present in my life. And the dangerous thing is the longer we do this, the more sometimes we mistake this. I'm a Christian. I've done this for five or for 10 years. I'm a good person now. I'm okay now. But that's not really the issue. The issue is, are you drawing near to God? If you want to guard your heart every day, are you getting closer and closer to who God is? Are you reflecting him more and more? There was this Christian author named C.S. Lewis. You may be familiar with him. He, he wrote a number of years ago, and he, write, he wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. And in this, he creates this fictional conversation between two demons. There's a demon that's just starting out that's trying to, to win over the soul of this young man, and then there's an older demon that's mentoring him. 
And the younger demon is talking and, and he lets the older demon know, hey, this person has realized that his life is broken and he went into church and he made a decision for Christ. He said he's going to start a relationship with God and I'm trying to figure out how do I get him away from God? How do I destroy that relationship? And he said, I think I'll make his life really difficult. The older demon said, no, don't do that. If you make things hard, his faith in God will only be strengthened. He's going to trust and rely on God more. Do this. Introduce pride into his life. Make him think Christianity is about being a good person. And if he gets more focused on being good than he does on God, eventually he'll slip back into his old lifestyle. If he focuses more on being good, the pride of, well, I'm a good person, I'm, I'm a good individual, I'm okay, then eventually he'll lose sight of God and he'll slip back into his old lifestyle. See, church, we can do that. Christianity is not just about trying to be a good person. Guarding your heart is not just about trying to have the right behaviors. It's drawing close to God every day, submitting your life to him. And so if you've been doing this for a long time, we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't just look at other people's sin and say, mine isn't that bad. At least I'm not doing what they're doing. At least I don't have those really big kind of visual things. So God, I'm okay. No, every day you're drawing near to him and say, what is it today, God? What is it today, Lord? What do you want to expose inside of me? What is it that I'm not seeing at this moment, God, that you want to reveal to me? God, I want to get closer and closer to you. About a week and a half ago, we were sitting in the office. Um, we just work in that one office as a staff because we don't have a lot of other space in this place. And we're sitting there. It's kind of quiet in the room. All of us are doing stuff. We're typing and, and working on different stuff. And all of a sudden, I forget who it was, looks up and they said, hey, what is that noise? And I can hear it. It sounds like Darth Vader is breathing in the room, like, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Who's, is someone making that sound? And, and it kind of fades away, and, the, and then we all get back to work, you know, so it's quiet for a few more minutes, and then it starts again. And I think it was Spencer looks up at one of the staff members. I won't tell you who it was. And he's like, are you breathing like that? Are you doing that? And, and so we start to talk, and, and it was. I'm not going to mention any names. I don't want to embarrass Jason. But, um, <laughs> but he's like, I don't even notice that I'm doing it. Am I breathing that heavy? I, I, I don't mean to do that. And, and we kind of laugh about it, and now it's become kind of a joke around the office. But I thought, you know, sometimes there's things that are just natural in our life. We've done them for so long. We don't notice them anymore. And it's this process of drawing near to God every day that begins to expose the things that have been there for years. The things that I didn't even see anymore. And God says, Aaron, I want to speak to you about this. As you draw close to me, I want to show you this area of your life. I want you to become more like me right here at this point. And I'm saying, God, I didn't even see that. I didn't even know that was a sin there. And God said, hey, Aaron, I'm, I'm trying to make you reflect more and more of who I am. I want you to guard your heart. Church, there are things in your life that you'll never see unless you draw close to God. There are things there that maybe other people notice you don't notice in your own life. And it's only that point of waking up in the morning and saying, God, I submit myself to you. Not just trying to be a good person today. God, I want to be more like you. And so today I want to draw close to you. What do you want to do inside of me? How do you want me to become more like you today, God, than I was yesterday? What is it that you want to speak to me about? See, church, there's something inside of all of us. There's that sinful nature that wants to destroy us. And God is there. He wants to draw close to you so that your life looks more 
and more like his. So that you reflect more and more of who he is to a world around you. That they would see the light of Christ shining in your life. And I want to pray for you this morning. If you would just take a moment and close your, close your eyes and bow your head. If you're here this morning and as I've been talking Maybe you have a relationship with God, but there's things in your life that you have not been guarding against. There's things that you've allowed to creep in, and you know that if they're left unchecked, they will cause your destruction. They're going to wreck your life. And this morning you're saying, Aaron, I just want you to pray for me. If that's you with no one looking around, would you just lift up your hand just between you and God? Thank you. You can lift it up, put it back down. Thank you. I want to pray for you this morning. Church, let's pray together that God would help us to be a church that guards our heart. Let's pray. God, I come before you this morning. Thank you for the words of James. Thank you for what James says, God, where he challenges us, Lord, to live in a different way, God, not to allow the culture to seep into our life. And God, I pray for each of us, Lord, myself included. God, I don't want to slowly, God, slip into a lifestyle or to slip into habits, God, that will ultimately bring destruction in my life. And I pray for everyone that raised their hand, God, whatever it is, no matter how big they think it is, no matter how small they think it is, God, I'm asking for you to rescue them. I'm asking for you, Lord, to continue to help them this week. Let them guard their heart, God. Let them protect what it is that you've given them. Them, that they would reflect you to a world around them. God, help us to be a church that draws close to you. That's not just about good behavior or trying to do the right things, Lord. We want to be in a deep, meaningful relationship with you, God. Every day we want to fall more in love with you. Do that inside of us, God. I pray that and let it change the world around us. We ask this in your name. Amen.